and welcome to One in Tar Nation, Tar Heel Blog's Hot Take Podcast. On this episode, we're discussing UNC's big win over Duke in Coach K's final game at Cameron and looking ahead to the ACC tournament. With me, as always, is Brandon Anderson and Julius Emanuel. Hi, guys. How's it going? It's going fantastic. Julius? Oh, yeah. Huge. I'm very happy to talk you right now. Everybody have a, a good weekend, a, a restful sleep on Saturday. I, I don't actually even remember sleeping. I probably did, but I sure don't remember it. I really only remember that big old win we got Saturday night. Yeah, I was just about to ask, did something happen Saturday? <laughs> a little something. A little a little something something in front of four million people who uh tuned in to see what I thought was a wonderfully played game. Um obviously we have to eat some crow because we all sat here in the last episode and gave them basically no chance to win. And, um, well, they proved us very wrong in a game that <laughs> hilariously wasn't even that close. By the time it was all said and done, it definitely wasn't. Um, I rewatched some of the game today and it was close longer into the second half than I thought it was. And then UNC's lead just got bigger and bigger. And then it got to the point where Duke was pretty much just cooked. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was the fact that Carolina just came out hot, like a completely different team than when they played in Chapel Hill. And I think that was a big difference because with all the hubbub and hullabaloo and all the other uh, fancy words around everything going on in Cameron Indoor that day, I think it would have been easy for them to come out kind of flat. Um, but they came out anything but. And and Duke was really the team that looked like they were kind of flat after all that. Maybe they were just really bored by the <laughs> pregame festivities. Yeah. And yeah, well, and like you said, um, we are eating our crow because I was very concerned for the wrong reasons. Um, but one thing that I can probably say is that it appears, at least you know, in this game and uh, in our most recent games too, is they have now been able to weather the storm, so to speak, um, and and do what needs to be done to win. So uh, have they matured, or have they have they? have they grown as a team? We've seen that previously and, and, you know, they've had a letdown. So, um, yeah, I was very happy to see, to, to see the outcome, obviously. Yeah. Um, one stat that I found out after the game was that they had won 11 of their last 13 or something like that. And that was pretty surprising. I think because we are conditioned to just think that they win two or three, lose one or two, win two or three more, win, uh, lose one or two. Um, but they really haven't lost since the pick game, if I remember correctly, that could be wrong. Um, but I feel like we are starting to see some maturity. It's still not completely clean. There's They definitely still have their moments. But, I mean, this was probably the best game that they've played all season, especially considering who the – game was against and that's going to be important going into this week 
because they need to be at their best because it's going to be a long, however long they stay in this tournament. And then now that they've beat Duke, they have to go into the NCAA tournament and give everything they got left in the tank for that one too. So. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that too, about the, uh, we've been kind of conditioned to them uh, winning two and losing one, but it's also been from like the national media too, about who they play. Right. We have been bombarded this season uh, and last season about the quality of their opponents, even within the ACC. Right. So, you know, we were kind of expecting, um, well, over, completely overlooked that, you know, they had strung together that streak there uh, going into Duke. So I don't, it's not all on us. I think we also listen to some of the pundits who don't otherwise know what they're saying. But I also saw a statistic today, which for someone who watches every game, you would think that I would have realized this before now, but they won every game on the road in February, March. Yeah. Um, which, you know, if you had asked me that, I would have been like, no, not at all, because all season up until this last stretch on the road had really been a problem for them. They were amazing at home. And then away from Chapel Hill, it was a little more of a struggle. But I mean, it couldn't have come at a better time, truly. Also, well, now that you said that, guess who lost more? Uh, I guess who has more losses at home than on the road this year? Uh, Duke. Duke. <laughs> <laughs> you hate to see it. Oh. Um, I will say that my heart basically fell out of my chest and onto the floor when Baycott picked up that early foul. Um, I basically just assumed that it was a sign that things were going to start going horribly wrong. And especially when Hubert Davis pulled him after that foul and the team immediately sort of trailed off a bit, I thought, well, you know, it was, it was fun while it lasted, but there it goes. Yeah. But Puff Johnson came in and he did a great job for the time that he was in there. Um, and then he proceeded to get called for three fouls. He did. In rapid succession. He did, but... I, you know, give him credit. Like he ended up having a couple points in this one. He played really good defense. Um, he kind of kept things afloat while Baycott was on the bench. And then Baycott was eventually able to come back in for a little bit before picking up more fouls. But, you know, that that's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, I, I was. I was definitely feeling a little bit of anxiety when Baycott picked up that first foul because I figured they would get the ball to Mark Williams again and make Baycott pick up his second very quickly. I think Hubert Davis felt like they were also going to do that. And so I give him credit for doing what he did because otherwise I don't know what would have happened. Yeah, and and frankly, I was impressed by how they were able to sustain without Baycott, right? Uh, that would not have happened earlier in the season. You know, usually we would be down, down bad. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought just from a maturity standpoint, um, and I, I told you a few times throughout the season, it just looked like at times um, Duke was not very good, but the teams that they were playing were just not able to capitalize uh, on those moments, right? And then, and then it just got away from them. So, yes, I was definitely – 
um, yeah, very happy to see what they were able to do without, without, without makeup. Yeah. I think you could see the difference between this game and the game they played in Chapel Hill, where it was sort of similar in that at the end of the first half, Carolina made a run to close the gap, but in this game, they were able to get it to within two. Whereas I think uh, in the game in Chapel Hill, it was still like 10. And then in the second half, um, of the game in Chapel Hill, Carolina came out and was just awful again to start. And in this one, they came out and they were able to land another strong punch in the beginning of the second half. So definite improvement over the last time these two teams met. And I mean, you really cannot say enough about the job that the starters did. I mean, we've talked at length about sort of the burden that they've had to carry this season of playing very long minutes and not being able to really play at their highest level because of the shoulder, because of shouldering how heavy that load is. But the starting five played all 20 minutes in the second half. And for Baycott to be able to control himself well enough to not foul um, when he was already kind of whistled for that early one. And then for them to be able to come on as, as strongly as they did and keep it up throughout that whole half without any rest. Um, I mean, I looked at Manic at one point and I was like, that guy looks like he absolutely wants to die. <laughs> but he was out there and he was hustling and he was helping carry this team. Um, so, you know, they kind of got the, the nickname, the iron five, and, um, it's, it's a very fitting nickname because they, they've been asked to do a lot and that was probably the toughest test for them so far. And to be fair, um, I've noticed man, it looks like that quite often. Um, <laughs> That's probably and, true. And now I'm like, and, and so in the beginning, yeah, I kind of had the same thing. I'm like, all right, yeah, Manic is exhausted because not only is he playing a lot, but he's also uh, leading the the effort, right, at times for the for the entire team. But now I'm kind of like gravitated towards maybe this is just how Manic you know plays basketball kind of thing. Yeah. You know, maybe um, I don't know if he starts you know shooting up shots that aren't you know barely hitting the rim or, or what have you. I may change that, but yeah, he he's looked at that quite often and still been able to produce uh, the way that he's producing. So I don't know if it's what he's used to now or what have you, but we're definitely going to need him to keep that same kind of effort and poise or, or lack thereof going forward over the next few weeks. <laughs> yeah, and I really need him to play like he's playing Duke every single night. Like the in the first game and this one this past Saturday, he dropped 20 on them both times. Like he was the only reason that we were even close to being in the last game. And in this game, he looked just as good, if not better. I mean, Ben Carroll still got his, but I feel like Manic did a respectable job on him. And that's pretty big considering how talented Bancaro is. Um, so like, I can't say enough about what Manic's done. I wish we had him for another year, but you know, something, something grad student, you know, <laughs> if we are handing out superlatives, I want to 
make sure that we give RJ Davis his due because my goodness, was he effective as the ball handler for the majority of that game. I felt like everything worked really well with him facilitating the point and he was driving on dudes and finishing at the rim, which we have also complained about extensively but he was doing it all and he like he was a huge reason why they did as well as they did and i mean you can say that really about all the starters they had four of them with at least 20 points which i think they said was the first time that has ever happened mm-hmm. um which is super impressive but man um rj for being a guy who is probably one of the shortest, if not the shortest guy on the court at any given time, he played like he was seven feet tall and um, bulletproof for the most part. And, and see, to, to your point about uh, driving and finishing, we noted this on the first episode back, right? That um, we, we know that there is not a um, team without a flaw, but it is a very talented team. And if they could just finish at the rim a little more, everything else would seemingly fall into place. Yep. We, we yeah. said you, all three of us said that the first episode back. So you, and, and you saw it yeah, right in front of your eyes. And I think what contributed to a lot of the success Saturday was like, he knew when to finish at the rim and he knew when to kick the ball out. I think that's gotten a lot better with him. Um, They also caught Duke switching on ball screens basically all night. And there were times where he just blew right by Bancaro and Williams who are much bigger than him. Um, But he took advantage of the fact that he was a lot faster and there's other times where he was driving, but then they would collapse the defense and somebody was left open way on the other end of the perimeter and it was a wide open three. So like, I think he has gotten the aspect of manipulating offenses down really well. And I am very pro he needs to just be the point guard for the rest of the postseason. Oh, you know, and I, yeah, and I and I mentioned that. I think I mentioned that on Twitter uh, weeks ago, and everybody was like, "No, that doesn't need to happen." So, okay, here we are. You know, <laughs> here we are. Um, I think the other thing that really stood out to me was just how well they played defense, which has also been a thing that hasn't always been there this season. Um, it, early in the first half, when they pulled out to their early lead. I think that was one of the main factors in that was just, they were playing really good defense. Baycott went out the defense. I mean, Puff Johnson did a good job. No argument with that, but Duke started making shots and I felt like the defensive intensity slacked up a bit. And that's when Duke went on their run. But in the second half, I feel like it sort of flipped back the other direction They were a little more intense. There was a little more effort there. And they held Duke to 42% in the second half after they shot 58% in the first half. Um, So I thought that was big. And given all that, you know what we don't hear on uh, or see on social media anymore? What's that? 
fans complaining about uh, freshmen getting playing time. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have not seen, no. Yeah, I haven't seen one person say anything about that uh, after Saturday. Yeah. yeah, it's been real quiet. And they deserve some quiet because I know they see it all. And they they basically played well enough to where they just shut everybody up, basically. Um, and like I said, I just hope they can keep it going in the postseason. Um, they, they could face some tough teams uh, and they could face Duke again. So that that's a thing that we could potentially look forward to, I guess. The other thing that I really want to just point out, and I know that um, we have been hard on Caleb Love, um, you know, in my mind, it's all constructive. It, it's, it's not picking on him, but, but we've been tough on the kid. And um, the whole team had just five turnovers. And that is pretty remarkable in my mind because, I mean, we've seen some ugly, ugly turnover games where they were just too careless and too reckless. And it directly led to the other team just racking up points on the other end. Um, and, And that just did not happen on Saturday. And didn't they have one in the second half? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, I'm I'm glad you said that. And yes, we have been uh, you know, hard, not not from a you know, not from a we're trying to beat them up kind of thing, but like like you said, um uh, when when we're doing these recaps and looking at these these games, right? Some uh, one of our Achilles Achilles heel, one of the things that gives a, a major advantage to the opposing team, right? Were those turnovers. You know, yeah. you're getting 10 to 15, 18 points off turnovers. We got a problem, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm de- I definitely agree with, with you. Um, and I'm just glad, you know, they're playing better. Yeah. Duke scored just two points off of turnover Saturday. And, yeah, we, we've just seen the opposite of that a lot. So wanted to point it out and give credit where it's due. Yeah. And we actually got 10 points off of turnovers. So we were – productive and making them cough up the ball and we were getting down the court and getting some good shots so that was big as well because we don't get that usually more than the other team well I feel like we've done a pretty good job of talking about everything that happened on the court during the game but how do we feel about everything that happened after the game, everything that has happened on social media since the game ended, because in my mind, it has been both a hilarious disaster and a sad, pathetic mess. It's been so bad, but so great at the same time. Um, It really started when they treated us to like 20 solid minutes of Duke fan crying. Yes. And I wrote out a tweet and I deleted it because I was just not in the mood. But like, please know that I will never lack the dignity that it takes to be on national television crying about a coach losing his last game. Like, just... 
will not happen. Well, okay. So for that point, I did kind of think about the fact that they slept in tents, you know, for that game. So that might hurt. (laughs) (laughs) And to that, I would just say. Don't sleep in tents. Yeah, you know, so. No, actually, maybe they were crying because the broadcast mentioned that students were being offered $150,000 for their ticket, and (laughs) it set in then that they should have taken it. Oh, wow. So, wow, $150,000. Thousand American dollars. Do you guys remember, it was probably 10 years ago, a Duke student actually sold their ticket, and I believe that was for only $3,000. Yeah, I mean, this was, I mean, even if I had fallen, bumped my head, come back a different person that I'm suddenly a Duke fan, whatever, like, please believe if you offer me $150,000, and Brandon and I were talking about this on Saturday, it was just like, I will drive you to the game, I will have snacks in the back seat, call me when you need me to pick you up, like, I will warm your seat for you, I will make sure bottled water is under your chair so you stay hydrated, like, the the whole thing, I will treat you to just the best day of your life because it's $150,000. Well, well, hey, um, think about my viral tweet, right? I did not expect that one um, to go quite that that big as it did. Um, (laughs) But But you you told no lies. (laughs) Yeah, so the the one guy, and and honestly, the only reason I even said anything about it is because Coach K went on the ACC Network last summer touting it. Like, you know, so for everyone saying, oh, it's for charity, I, I got that, understand it, didn't say that it wasn't. But your own coach was on the network t- touting that sum that someone paid, you know, for four tickets. So that's all I said. And I said yeah. it last summer as well. Like, I, you know, so. And it is charity and that's great. And maybe that softens the blow for you at some level in your heart, but you still paid $1 million to go watch your team lose and I don't know like it really started there with the crying just like all the people in their little costumes and their face paint and all of that and I swear my heart grew like the Grinch where it just (laughs) expanded three sizes and then it really just kept going like Coach K came back out and he is immediately like (laughs) that was unacceptable Please be quiet. Like, just. But the regular season was acceptable. Right. The regular season was acceptable, but this was unacceptable. And, like, I've never been a a fan of, like, like, Carolina isn't some team that you should expect to just walk all over. I'm not saying that they haven't ever done that. They did that in Chapel Hill earlier this season. But, I mean, it's the greatest rivalry in sports for a reason. The teams are pretty evenly matched for all the times that they have played. And for you to call it unacceptable is kind of just like a weird takeaway from that whole situation. 
Well, I was watching it, you know, just trying to imagine him trying to contain all of the rage that he was going through, <laughs> yeah. right? And then, and and so, like, so the first, th- so one of the first things that I that I realized, I'm like, wait a minute, they have still yet to acknowledge their seniors, right? Uh, and then you know, you've got Coach K going, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie when he said, you know, be quiet. <laughs> that sent me. I was like, what are, you, <laughs> what, are you what are you doing? This is your, th- these people are here for you. And yeah. some have paid a lot of money to be here. What, You're what yelling at the people who yeah. came out to see your like, last I, game. I, was like, I get it, brother. If I had a hundred of my former players there too, and they just watched me get you know whooped uh, on my own home court, I might be a little upset, but you're supposed to be a 42-year-old you know, veteran of this. Uh, come on. I got, you know, but yeah, I, I, I was like, Wow, I was like, I, I like no, the Roy or Dean, no, they would not have done that. Like, are you kidding? You know that he was just resisting the urge to start naming names. No. Like he was like, I'm sorry that AJ Griffin was a bomb this game. <laughs> <laughs> he was five points. Uh, expect better. Oh my goodness, Wendell, <laughs> with your eight points. Like, that's all I can imagine. Like, that's all I can think of is he was just like, this is the only thing I can think of that's not going to just be like, and this one over here did this and cost me this game. And this one over here did this. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, I think it would have been perfectly acceptable for him just to read off the box score. Yeah. <laughs> just read out yeah. the box score, the home team stats, like we're good. <laughs> just yeah. Everyone else make their, you know, uh, uh make their have form their opinions from there but yeah if i was that mad that i had to tell the crowd that was there for me to to be quiet i would have just read out the box board and just 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 be done with it some people shouldn't be allowed to freelance their speeches i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that coach k should not freestyle speech and he started off apparently saying something like you know this is you know, this isn't planned speech. This is just like improv. I'm just like, oh, maybe boy. should have planned it, my guy. You should have planned it because he he was just mad. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. It, see it's the, like, see the yeah. He said, "I really do love you guys. You may not think so right now, but I love you." And I was just like, <laughs> "You don't, not that's in like this when, moment." It's like when a parent is like, <laughs> "Just know that, like, I I still love you because I have to." But that does not mean that I want to see your face <laughs> for the next week. Right. And did he not stand up there and say, we didn't play well tonight, but then pointed to his former players and like, you you know, there at times you you guys didn't either. I'm like, just throw everybody under the bus, man. Yeah. Which, is, which is what he does. Like, this is coach. Like, he went, he died the way that he lived, which was just <laughs> every time something went wrong, it was never his fault. It was always someone else. And like, I know we kind of, like we're used to Roy falling on the sword each and every time. Like it was never the player's fault. It was, he didn't do well enough coaching them and all of that. And I always kind of was like, you know, we, we all know that that's not the real situation, but it's so much more preferable than the coach getting up there and just being like, what do you want? These dudes played like a bunch of bums. Like, one in ways I was, I was flawless. <laughs> My coaching never been better. I called timeouts. <laughs> I gave stairs. I made some calls. I, like, I, I cussed at the refs. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely feel like in ways when Roy would say that he was 
right even when he was wrong. And I guess what I mean by that is like, I think what he meant by that is like, he felt as though when players didn't do what he told them to do, he didn't do a good enough job making it clear that they needed to do what he was telling them to do. Like, I still think that he was way too hard on on himself. Like, don't get me wrong. Like he, a lot of the times it wasn't really his fault, but I at least admire the fact that he was basically like, even when it's not my fault, it's still my fault because I couldn't prevent it from being their fault. That's definitely what he was doing, but like he did it in a way that, he was taking responsibility instead of being like, and Theo only scored two points tonight <laughs> and Joel turned the ball over six times. And like, but honestly, I, I mean, honestly, I, if, if you're not going to be the coach that like falls on the sword, right. And, and does kind of the Roy way, be honest, just yeah. give me what you actually want to give me. Uh, yeah. Stop scurrying around because it just makes it super awkward. We know, and at least we think we know what you're trying to say. Like, if you're not going to find a sword for your team, which is what I think a good leader should do, just be honest. Yeah. And then there was the lack of handshake heard around the world. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, and uh. I am of two minds here because, like, Please understand that I could not possibly care less yeah. <laughs> if Chris Carowell wants to shake Hubert Davis's hand. Like, if you want to be a little baby whose feelings are hurt, that's on you, and you look like a clown. But <laughs> for it to then come out that all of these it wasn't just the loss. It was hurt feelings about UNC not giving Coach K a gift. <laughs> it was a, a chant from the students that no one stopped. And it's like, are we actually five years old? Yeah, I would say so. I mean... <sighs> I, too, could care less who shakes hands, who doesn't shake hands. The thing is, the game of basketball, really, in sports in general, there's so much emotion put behind it. And sometimes you're just really, really salty and you're not going to always act the way that you should. And so, like, when that happens, I mean, I laugh. Sometimes I roast a little bit. But for the most part, it's just like, okay, this can be done now. And I feel like we made this uh, psychological study of sorts. Um, It was like, why did he do that? So on and so forth. And we found out why. And I feel like finding out why didn't make anything better. It just made it dumber. Honestly, just like you, I I couldn't have cared less because um, I didn't care about them not shaking their hands. And also didn't care about the Duke students flipping Armando Baycott off either, even right. though I said something about the latter and not the former on Twitter, right? Um, because we got what we needed. We needed to get the win. We got the win. That was it. Uh, but I just don't understand not only that. It's, 
is is all come full circle though, right? So the behavior from the coaching staff is the same behavior that the fans are now exhibiting, um, you know, online, you know, and, and in person with you know Duke uh, fans calling UNC a has been program. Like what in the really come on? That is yeah. like. It's like if that's what you have to tell yourself to make you feel better about what happened Saturday, I'm just going to let you go and cry yourself to sleep because it's sad. Like to say that now like UNC is to Duke what NC State is to UNC, like please, we're not being intellectually honest in this conversation and therefore I cannot take the conversation seriously because you're you're fundamentally making it up at this point and yeah and it's like from from both avenues it's not like we don't know why they're doing it right Right. but you're still saying it even though we know why you're saying it um you know make it make sense just stop and behave like a like an adult and it just it's so nonsensical because it's just like okay ever since we won the national championship which was the most recent one between the two programs we also have the most wins over duke so like if your level of success or like your gauge of success is the recruits that you're getting or winning the acc tournament then fine but like i don't think that that is the same and they know that and they're just doing their like pouty bit where they need to find a way to get under Carolina skin because they know that everybody's on cloud nine right now. And so it's just like, you know what? It's fine. Be mad. You know, just it's fine. Also, you would have said literally nothing about anything that happened in Chapel Hill if y'all won. Right. Not that, one that's thing. A, right. That's an, and that's another rub. Uh, and then, you know, and then the other one is, so not only do you have the Duke staff doing it, the Duke fans doing it, you got media doing it as well. And I'm like, yeah. why, why have we made it this, this huge um, thing that doesn't even represent like the, the core issue of what's going on or, or why this was even brought up, right? Like you guys are just facilitating this manifested thing to take away from our win, Um to make yourselves feel better and like, you know, Tanya said to get under our skin, but sorry. Like, I mean, we won. I mean, just, you should be disappointed in yourself because you know, <laughs> your, your team didn't win on your coach's last home game. Right. Um, and I mean, again, like the, all of the petty stuff, like I think it's more of a joke than anything, but it is some, extremely ironic nonsense for that fan base that school that program to say even one single word about what the student section is chanting when we have seen and heard like legitimate demon behavior come out of the student section at Cameron. I was telling Brandon earlier about remembering them calling a kid an orphan because his parents had died tragically. And like, that is way worse, way, way, way worse than FU Coach K. We also have to stop. Oh, I'm sorry. I just want to get this out real quick. We also have to stop acting like Coach K hasn't heard it before. 
He's heard it literally everywhere he's went. I promise you, he has. Okay, that's all I wanted to get out. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say, I ended up, um, I don't, I wasn't caught arguing, but they're the, one of the director of a cancer research center out on the West Coast was a Duke grad, and he uh, happened to be in my mentions. And he was talking about how that was expected from Duke, but not Carolina, how we were supposed to show class or something. I'm like, what in the, no, wow. I, no, stop it. He's like, we know the Cameron crazies do this, but both sides can still be uh, positive and not negative. And I was like, well, first of all, you you found yourself, you came to my mentions, Mr. Director. Um, you know, I, I didn't come find you. Um, and second of all, that makes no sense, right? You just acknowledged that the Cameron crazies go overboard, but you expect Carolina to be the better, better program, like not, to, not to do anything to crazy. Like, it's their yeah. brand. It's like, students. It's twenty. It's two thousand and twenty-two, and this also goes for uh, some UNC people too, right? They're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is not what we do, and I'm like, I mean, it's not what you would have done, but right. you're not there anymore. Yeah, the clutching pearls over the student section chants are very cringe to me, um, unless like a very specific line has been crossed, and. Um, something like what the Duke program is upset about in Chapel Hill is just not it for me. Like (laughs) of all the things that they could have said, something that I'm sure Krzyzewski hears for 40 minutes at each and every away game that he has ever coached at. Like, I don't think it moves the needle. Do we remember they used to play Maryland? (laughs) Have to go to, was it college College park yeah like they were horrible all the time never weren't horrible the big 10 hates them right now and they're not even relevant and like if y'all want to be upset about that that's fine i truly don't care but to act like that's like what you're truly mad about is hilarious to me because we all know that what you're truly mad about is that you built this game up for an entire season. It was the pinnacle of your year, despite what you may say about like the Gonzaga game was bigger. The Kentucky game was bigger. No, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't. This was it. And you lost and you lost bad. And that's what you're mad about. And not only was it a loss, it was like, an important loss because they could have at least put UNC's NCAA tournament hopes into question. And now they are basically guaranteed in. And, and now they Jerry burned. Unless you're Jerry Pond. Yes. <laughs> but uh, Duke lost their one seed yeah. because of it, at least if you believe bracketology today. Um, so yeah, like I, I guess you can cry, you can die mad, whatever, but the whole thing is truly ridiculous. And I am ready to stop hearing it each and every day because it's silly. And I feel like it's been given far too much credence. It it, it doesn't deserve all of this and um, anything that's not you know, you should be the adults in the room and 
shake hands, even if you're mad, even if you're salty, even if your feelings are hurt. Um, any any deep dives into it beyond that just feel like giving it more air than it it really needs. Yeah, Hubert shook their hands after getting humiliated. Humiliated at home. Yeah, yeah. Which is what you're supposed to do, but like, if they don't, it's it's whatever. Like you look you look like a a baby. And also. Uh, according to Hubert Davis, him and Carol are good. They had a phone call, you know, chopped it up, whatever. It's fine. And that's really where I knew that there was, it was just a non-problem. Like we made it to this big old thing. They had a conversation. They're fine. We're the only ones freaking out. And by we, I mean, you know, not us on this podcast, but also, what was the other thing? Was he didn't shake the assistant coach's hands before the game. Before the game, yeah. I mean, we are we are grasping at straws at this point, like especially former Duke players grasping at straws. Because yeah. I remember, you know, that tweet from uh, Carolina Blitz, like a former Duke player. It's like we can out Nolan Smith here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, Gerald Henderson <laughs> felt the need to weigh in. It's like, sir, we really don't need to hear. <laughs> Right. No, you're definitely not somebody. Class, like, jeez, <laughs> no. please, please, just stop. It's it's embarrassing. I'm, I am feeling like secondhand embarrassment for you at this point. So just just let it go. I think the most embarrassing part about it is we've seen this so much in literally every single sport. Like LeBron, historically, if he lost a big game, we'll just storm off the court. He doesn't shake hands. He doesn't hug nobody. He doesn't trade jerseys. He just storms off. Tom Brady, he'll storm off on you. Bill Belichick, he'll storm off on you. So it's just like, let's stop making a mountain out of a molehill. I mean, it, it could be worse. You could have paid several thousand dollars to, to watch your team lose and Person. Yeah, I would have. I would have been sick. Even if, I even been. if I had been, even if I had donated it to charity, I still. Would've, I would. <laughs> oh yeah, like I, I would not be able to. Like I would delete my social media. I would sell my house. I would go live in the forest somewhere because I would not be able to return to my normal life. It'd be a very long time before I willingly bought another Duke ticket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like. I will not be hurt again like this. Especially knowing that John Shire is likely going to be the coach of said team. Hey, and I stand by my tweet too about what I said about him, that Duke fans ate me up over. Um, I'd be a little concerned if I were him, but that's for, you know, that's another, that's for an off season podcast. Yeah. And we will do that. I, I, I promise everyone listening and I promise to y'all, we will, absolutely go into that because I think we need to because it's they're not ready for what that's going to turn into Jeff Cable thought he wanted to be out there because he wasn't out there and once he got out there he realized he didn't (laughs) want to be out there no more and John Shire might quickly realize the same thing um so yeah we mentioned that Carolina now is firmly into the field, so we don't have to sit here and sweat Selection Sunday, no matter what happens in Brooklyn. Um, And also, uh, the win got Carolina back into the top 25. They're 25, but 
they're back in the top 25 after a long hiatus. Everybody lightly golf clap. Yeah. <laughs> I was shook it. Um, that didn't even happen because I wasn't even paying attention. I got an alert from Bleacher Report and it says UNC was back in. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you mean women's basketball? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool. Um obviously it's not as important as seating, but because the ACC has been in the state that it's been in all season long, I think that that makes things a little better um, in terms of how the conference looks. We at least now have two ranked teams, but we're still a long ways off from the usual quality of the league. It, it makes us a group of five league instead of whatever we were. Um, and I got to be real honest with you. Again, we were talking about um, we've been talking about Hubert's accomplishments uh, and, and not you know beating Duke, notwithstanding being the second ranked team to end the regular season in the AP poll. Um, that's a pretty good accomplishment, you know, for this season. So yeah. Yeah. definitely not to be over, overlooked. Especially because if you listen to UNC Twitter at specific points this season you would have thought that we finished dead last and that Hubert should just be like thrown out with the recycling next week. But, um, I mean, and there were still some trying to say that too. They were like, Oh, I'm still against them. Have a seat. Just, just, (laughs) just have a seat. You have to save it for a different time, my friend, because now is just not it. Some people just can't be pleased. We had a hall of fame coach and won a national championship not that long ago and they still wanted to fire him. So some people just don't deserve an opinion. I'm sorry, but it's true. And they want to be right at the expense of um, not having success. They they just want to be, see, I told you so. I've always been, you know, I've been telling you since the beginning of the season, Uh, calm down or change your jersey because, um, you know, you need to, you need to support your team. Obviously not blindly, but, you know, again, even if we had not done this, even if we have been swept by Duke, I mean, I'd go so far as to say even if we were 500 in conference play, right? And we're not, but if even if we had been, um, it's a drop-off between having a Hall of Fame coach and a first-year coach. You got you to gotta give them time. You can't just yeah. keep firing everybody and hiring everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So now we basically await the winner of Louisville, Virginia to find out who Carolina will play on Thursday in the quarterfinals of the ACC tournament in Brooklyn. How do you guys feel like they respond coming off of this big win? Like, was that their Super Bowl, so to speak? And and now um, the ACC tournament's kind of going to be a bit of the same emotional letdown that we've seen after big games at points this season? Or do we think that they continue on this sort of like upward trajectory that they've been on? Well, for me personally, I'm going to say um, that I am a little concerned if for no other reason that that has worked well for us in the past. <laughs> <laughs> and I also don't want to jinx them the way that uh, I did the, the UNC women's team uh, going into the, the tournament too. Um, I don't know. I guess there are some legitimate concerns that that may have been the Super Bowl. Um, but again, we may, I may be uh, apologizing again, eating more crow uh, after, after this weekend. We, we shall see. I feel a little better uh, with them being out of the um, 
upper echelon of that bracket, you know, having to at least face Duke in the semis. Um, so I, I feel I feel somewhat confident that we can go to the finals. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, um, I was listening to the Carolina Insider Pod and Jones and Adam were kind of talking about it. And one thing that Jones said that I thought was a good point was that the emotions and kind of like everything was so high with the team from this past Saturday that there is going to be a drop. And like how far they drop from like their performance from Saturday, I don't know but we should expect some drop in kind of like their level of competitiveness. Um, Considering I still think that was their best game of the season, that can mean anything to me. So I feel like because their first game is against either Louisville or Virginia, um, I still feel pretty good. I don't think it'll be easy, but if they can get out of that game, I start feeling better about what they can do against whoever's next after that. Yeah. And, and to the Carolina insider pods uh, point about it, if we come down off that high, which was the Duke game and kind of gravitate more towards the average over that stretch that we've had, the average has been uh, somewhat close, but doable, somewhat close, but comfortable. Right. Um, So, you know, if if we, if that is what we go back to uh, in the tournament, um shoot I'll take it yeah and I mean they played really well against Virginia when they played them earlier this season the Louisville games were close and and messy but Carolina was able to win um I I think that they can do okay as long as they don't just completely come out flat and uninterested um, I think the the giant elephant in the room is what most likely waits for them if they if they can win two games and, and that's setting up uh, a third game against Duke. Yeah, and one point also to make uh, before we go there is remember we were talking last week about the um, AC the women's tournament and the possibility of a third. UNC NC State matchup. You mentioned that it was impossible to beat a team uh, three times in a season, right? Didn't we play at UVA twice? Um, just once this season. Was it once? Okay, never mind. Yeah, we didn't have to go to Charlotte, or did we go to Charlotte? We played Virginia at home. Yeah, so we didn't have to go to Charlottesville, where all the dreams go to die. Um, <laughs> but we would have to play Louisville for a third time. And that's where I really get nervous because we swept them. And and those games were collar tug uncomfortable. Mm, um, yeah, especially so, yeah. So I guess we know who we had to root for then. Yeah. Although, do we though? Because like <laughs> I, I don't know that I can handle losing to this Virginia team. <laughs> I'll be real honest. Like all the Virginia teams, this one might be the one that would just do me in. You know, you might find me in a fetal position, like right? Yeah, like this Virginia, this Virginia team. Well, to that point, though, I don't feel like this Virginia team is the usual Virginia team. Like even on defense, They're it just not, hasn't been the same. But they beat this Virginia team. They did. They they have come up with. 
they have had um, very, very, very good wins and very, very, very tragic losses. <laughs> and I would just be concerned that they would pick that moment to to get one of their good wins and that would be extremely frustrating to me because it's this Virginia team. Yeah. This Virginia team that I don't think has a single NBA player on it, which is usually a thing for them these days. But, you know, I I guess we'll see how it goes. Um, Does anyone have like a, a favorite for the tournament? If, if UNC can't do it, who do we think uh, can pull it off? I don't want to say. <laughs> I mean, I can say, but what are you thinking? <laughs> I, I just no, I just don't want to even attempt to speak it into existence. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> <laughs> if UNC can't pull it off, I think I wouldn't mind Wake Forest pulling it off. I don't know that they will because they've been kind of on a slide these days, but they may be able to do it. Um, We'll see. I mean, if history tells us anything, the dumb team will probably win. But if they want the the ACC tournament and to claim that that's their shining achievement for Coach K's final season and then drop the 2-15 game to – whoever cares university, like I'll, I'll accept that fate. I, okay. To, to that credit, I would prefer the field versus Duke winning the ACC tournament. I would like to see him. So we already did our part once, right? Denied him his swan song at home. Let's also do the same thing for the ACC tournament. I mean, I, I am certainly on board with that. Um, I just know that, um, it feels like a thing where they they win the ACC tournament and they they act like they've climbed the mountain, and then like the avalanche of Lehigh comes along. Yeah. Um. So that would that would personally be very funny to me. Yeah. So, and I'm glad you said that. How much of this do you think is like Duke fans like just acknowledging that they just consistently underperform in the NCAA tournament? So they're just like, okay, we we. We've won the ACC tournament. That's probably all we're going to do, you know, kind of thing. Uh, let's not get upset in the first round. I mean, at least at least internally. Obviously, not. they don't say that publicly, but yeah. um, we don't even act that way about the ACC tournament. Knowing that we're going, right. to, we're going into the NCAA tournament. Like, I don't, I don't understand what their yeah. process is there. But. Roy always set the precedence that, like, you want to win no matter what, but I don't think he – invested every single like desire he has in his being to win the ACC tournament. And like, I, I don't mean that in a bad way because I think sometimes that comes off as like, he didn't care. Da, 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 da. Like, I don't think it's that he didn't care. I think he always just had the bigger prize ahead of him and that's what he cared about. But yeah, I feel like Duke is weird in that regard. Like they are just like, even if we don't win the NCAA tournament because of it, let's win the ACC tournament. It's, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, they kind of have to be that way to be saying the things that they're saying online. Right. Because like 
Carolina has won a national championship since they have. They have been to another national championship since they have. And Duke didn't even make the tournament last year. Right. So. Yeah. By the the way, we did not forget that. That We did not forget. Right. We know that you didn't make the tournament. Big brother not making the tournament. Imagine that. I mean, like, I really feel like they tried to, you know, it, it was during COVID, so maybe nobody remembers kind of stuff. But no, no, no. We remember. We well, and well, and they tried to treat it like the year that we did that we weren't going to make it right when the tournament was actually canceled. Oh no, no, um, no. and it's not. It, no, it is legitimately not the same thing. They played the tournament. Yeah. Y'all weren't there. We also can't. Um, I was going to say we also can't prove that we weren't going to make the tournament because they didn't have a selection show. True. Um, but one other point that I was going to uh, speak to you, and only because I was watching the ACC tradition thing on the ACC network here recently, mm-hmm. is, I, you know, we know Rory hates NC State. Like, we know he does not like it. And I think, so I am definitely with you about him uh, having his eyes on the bigger prize kind of thing. Um, but part of me is like, okay, Rory just hates NC State so much that he doesn't want to win the ACC tournament because, you know, it's, we had the tournament because of NC State. Right. Um, it was they're, they're the reasons why we have it. Um, you know, it was played at Reynolds like what the first five or six years um, because of, because they started it. So I'm like, OK, Rory, I can get on. I can get on board with that. <laughs> I like that level of petty. Yeah, yeah. it's it's definitely a, a petty that runs deep, but I'm, I'm OK with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Any other words on on all of this? It has been an exhausting few days in one of the best ways possible. But I am looking forward to the ACC tournament to see how UNC does. And I'm looking forward to the NCAA tournament because I I feel like they at least have a win or two in them. I think at the beginning of the season, I said that I felt like the ceiling was the Sweet 16 if they get there, they lose. I feel like I call it a success. I just hope that we do enough in Brooklyn to clear the one seed uh, in the tournament so that we don't have to face a one seed in the round of 32. That is my hope. I don't know how many wins it takes to get there. If it's one, if it's two, I don't know. But that is my main goal. What happens from there is just icing on the cake. I'm really just here to to get a better seed so we don't have to face like I don't know Baylor in the in the Ugh. first round or the second round rather. And and now especially remember last episode we were, I was talking about how not even the pit loss because even with Roy we were always due for that just weird mm-hmm. um you know loss. The Notre Dame loss especially kind of hurt us uh because we given what we've already or what they've just done, we had an opportunity to play ourselves into, you know, a six or seven seed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Here we are, but but yeah, we'll see. Well, we will be back to wrap up whatever happens with the ACC tournament and uh, give you our thoughts on what goes down with the selection show. In the meantime, you can Check out Brandon on Twitter at THB Brandon. You can check out Julius on Twitter at UNC underscore Tar Heel fan. 
And you can catch me on Twitter at Tanya underscore underscore Anderson. Until next time, go Heels. Go Heels. Go Heels.